welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity with John Guzan and Karen Weil. How are you today, Karen? Well, I'm all right, John. Thank you. And I hope you're doing great. And I hope all of our listeners are doing very well this uh, post-Thanksgiving week. Of course. Thank you to all of the listeners and hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, today we're yes, going to be talking I- a little bit about, uh, you know, obviously politics like we always do on Political Profundity, but... We're going to go a little bit international this time, huh, Karen? Oui, monsieur. <laughs> well, we will start I can't it say in Korean. Sorry, but, yes. <laughs> we will start at home with Trump, and then uh, with oh, sorry, President-elect uh, Mr. Monsieur Donald Trump, um, and then we will go to South Korea, um, uh, spend some time in France, um, and then uh, take a little jaunt in Cuba on the way home. Um, talking about Castro, uh, a little bit about the presidential um, uh, dealings in South Korea and France. Um, very interesting, I think, for us, for us, Karen, a little stretch out a little bit internationally. Sounds great. Donald Trump first. Let's 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 just take the punishment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> election aftermath. We thought it was over. Um, the last time we did our podcast a few weeks ago. Um, the election was over and we were talking about how that's just the way it was and what's going to go on. And now we have some more election related scuttlebutt. Um, one, there's a recount going on now for sure in Wisconsin. I think they're also trying in Michigan uh, to do another hard recount and also, uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Right. Um, Jill Stein led, um, at least publicly, um, you know, there's all kinds of allegations flying around that. And then also then, um, the response from, President-elect Trump, that millions voted illegally. Uh, where do you want to start with this one, uh, this uh, ball of wax? <laughs> well, let, let's just say first off that his claim that millions voted illegally has been basically called by any knowledgeable or credible election expert as just plain BS. Uh, and his Twitter rant again, did nothing to either bolster that claim and for people who are already greatly opposed to him, it only further cemented their resistance and resentment of this man. There is absolutely no proof of that. Uh, you know, the bigger problem over the years has been election fraud, which is the tampering with elections themselves rather than individual voters. Now, that's not to say there have not been people throughout history. Uh, and let's include also the recent example of that of a man who wanted to vote for Donald Trump twice. Right. But there are those who, yes, on an individual level, have committed or tried to commit voter fraud. That's not cool. They should be punished. But um, I, I think like, there's just no credibility to what he's saying. And it's interesting and it's gratifying on some level to see the mainstream media really pushing back against it. So that I just I have to start out with right off the bat. Sure. Listening uh, to his, you know to the debate about it yesterday was was amusing and not surprising at least coming from. Donald Trump. This is a man who um, has shown he is certainly capable of lying and exaggerating whenever possible and whenever necessary. Uh, so just another day in Trump land. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I mean, millions voting illegally is 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 kind of, I think, where where the rub lies. Right. I mean, it's it's in the numbers. Correct. It's, it's in it's, it's in the million statement. Um Obviously, we know that there's some, you know, there's always some issues. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can't count anything out, but I think the millions is, is a little difficult. Um, well, it, it's interesting. 
I heard an ally, an ally say the other day, Trump has a very good way of projecting upon to others, which he certainly did to Hillary Clinton, uh, things uh, with which he could be uh, accused of doing. I find it interesting that he's claiming millions voted illegally. Well, isn't that funny? Her total now in the terms of the popular vote, I believe, is up to three million um, and probably will grow from here. So once again, for you know, I'm sure psychoanalysts and psychiatrists everywhere will go, are going to have a field day watching this man because a lot of his behavior and a lot of his comments seem to be rooted in classic projection. Um, so again, I just thought that number was interesting on that level. And and, and does it seem like I mean, obviously, there's been uh, universal condemnation of 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 the statement, but. It would never have been made if the probably the recount wasn't enacted, and it seemed to be well, another exactly. uh, it, you know another uh, example of his uh, lashing out at anybody who does anything he doesn't like, and all of a sudden there's claims made. Correct. To to well, correct, and what it shows also in a, in a certain way true is that Trump might and his people might just really be worried by this, so they're doing the classic offensive. Uh, it will it'll work with their base. It'll work with Republican or conservative-leaning pundits. But, you know, in general, I think the, the overwhelming majority of Americans see this for what it is, a smokescreen, and with no validity. And that probably goes for more than a few Republicans, too, and those who didn't vote for Donald Trump. Hmm. Now, did is there any validity... I mean, there's the talk of, of, of that there's going to be this recount and what's going to be found in there. Um, well, I, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I want to hear your opinion. So, I mean. Well, I, I will say, I, I think this is a Hail Mary pass. Uh, Jill Stein has various reasons for doing this. And, of course, uh, some have criticized her for claiming that a lot of this money she's raising towards this, this may pay for the recount. Well, some of it, but the rest of it's going to go into her Green Party's coffers right. for another shot at the election. And I, I don't even think she garnered, and I might be wrong on this, but I don't even think she garnered a full 1% of votes. Or right. it might have been a little higher, but it was, I think, less than what Gary Johnson had, which was 3%. Uh, so, you know, she, she's facing a lot of criticism with that. Certainly, I don't think she did herself a lot of favors during this campaign with some of the things she said and some of her beliefs. Um, although I think she gets credit for going to Standing Rock and speaking out on that. Um, but for many liberals and Democrats, they are grateful that someone is challenging this because Trump's win in Michigan, Wisconsin, and, and Pennsylvania was, to use the old cliche, a mile wide and an inch deep. He barely won any of those states. Sure. Now, a recount may show, even although the Michigan election board, from what I read yesterday, has said, no, he won this state by, like, and I might be off on this number, by about 70,000 votes. I think Michigan right. was about 10,000, uh, and, and it was, it was ten, Pennsylvania that's about 70. But thank you. I'm sorry. I stand corrected on that. No, no, Apologies to the listeners. But so he won these by like a tenth of a percent beneath the net. So that, right. again, that makes it highly suspect. Um, and a recount could, Michigan again is insisting it won't. There is that slight chance. I wouldn't hold my breath if I were anybody. But again, we've seen this year anything can happen. It could be that those could flip either Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or perhaps even both Hillary Clinton, which would technically, that would give her the presidency. And of course, the chaos from that, even though it would be the, you know, by law, would be the right thing to do. 
you know, we would if we thought that this campaign season election has been insane, brace yourselves for that. It would make the 2000 presidential election look quite in comparison. I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I I think it'll show she probably did better in those states. I don't know about her winning them, but again, anything is possible. Yeah, you know. I- there's been a lot of talk. I mean, really what ends up happening here is that you find out that there was something that went on. I mean, I, I you, the, the underlying message always, and, and that does exist si- ha- since there's been all the hacks and all the attention, is that there's been a worry from some people that that, that folks hacked the system. Now, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and anybody can say whatever they want, but that's the only thing that this is going to determine. And, and, yeah, I agree. And it's the only way that I it's going to change the, the, the election result at all. It, I mean, obviously, if it's just, if no one hacked it, then that's just what happened. And, you know, I mean, the results are the results. And so, you know, I think that's where, you know, you don't want to be claiming anything. It's kind of like, you know, if you... Uh, you know, you think somebody's stolen something, but you're not going to accuse him, but you're going to try to talk to him and, and, and poke around and see if they got your jewelry. Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. Um, so I think that's very interesting to see what's going to happen with that. But, you oh, know, I, agree. I, 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 agree. I, you know, I think it needs to be done. Again, he won these states by a razor's margin. So is it is it possible that she actually won one or two of these? Yes. But... We're just going to have to see what what happens with the recount. Sure, you know, um, you know, and it basically has the Trump campaign a little bit on edge hence this outburst, hence Kellyanne Conway seemingly on every show known to humankind when she's not uh, in a in a fight with people over Mitt Romney. Um, so I think it's I think it's got people a little nervous. Yes, I do. Yeah, and you know, I mean, for the paranoid uh, uh, part of us all. Um, I think that everyone would like to know whether whether there was any sort of evidence that anything was hacked, but at the same time, right. you know, I don't think anybody w- would be surprised if it's if it wasn't. Um, and you know, I think it kind of right. resolves a question. And as things are different today than than they were even in 2012, and definitely, um, you know, in 2008, and for sure in 2004, you know, everything's online, everything's in the cloud, and it becomes a a completely different situation. Um, you know, we might be at the point of critical mass and that something can start to happen where, you know, I think we need to find out whether the system is really secure or not. And it's been said that it's, that, that it isn't for a long time and that, you know, malware can be, um, you know, su- substituted. Uh, you know, part of the discussion that I had heard was, you know, if you want to put something in there, you put it in so that it changes the vote and then it deletes itself. And so there's no even real way to track it but there's got you know you'd figure that um, it it's 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 worth it in our election to maybe do something like that because they're not all paper they're not all proof and it becomes one of those situations where you know you've opened yourself up to that doubt and with the other hacks that you have it becomes you know a legitimate thing now you know personally I don't I, again I don't I wouldn't be surprised if nothing happened um, and I, I don't think it's going to change the election um, but. I don't even think Clinton has said that. I don't think her and her team, they've basically said they're just there now because they have to, you know, they want to protect their interests in case something else does happen. Um, right. And you never know. I mean, because if you get in there and all of a sudden you find out that there's been a hack, 
um, you're going to want to be there. And it's a lot harder to get started than there is to be there to, from the beginning. And, you know, so the reaction, though, from Trump, I think, has been um, a, 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 a kind of a, a, a window into what's going to happen in the future when he gets any sort of uh, controversy or critique for any of his policies. Um, you know, this is just going to be an extension of, it seems like, the way his White House is going to work. Um, that's the sad part of the whole story, I think. Yes, it is sad. It's dangerous on many levels. And you mentioned Absolutely. Kellyanne Conway. Um, and maybe we can trans, uh, uh, transition over to um, maybe some of the Trump appointments and, mm-hmm. and, and how she yep. came out against Mitt Romney. Um, because that's still one of the one of the one of the uh, um, jobs that he hasn't filled yet, um, but it seems like Conway's really taken a lead, at least publicly, against Romney. Yes, it, it's it's a very strange kind of a, and I I really hate this term because of, it can be considered very sexist, but a cat fight, yeah. um, and it, it it just shows basically again how not only thin skinned her boss is, but apparently how Conway is. Yes, Mitt Romney was one of those Republicans who came out early against Trump and very strongly criticized him. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it kind of shocked some people that he was actually considering a job within his administration. Um, which, again, it makes no sense. Why did Trump even want to pick this man, knowing I suspect the two don't like each other, probably wouldn't work well together, uh, and uh, probably very little good would come from it? Uh, Mitt Romney, well... The man ran for president. He certainly has a following. He was governor of Massachusetts. He comes from a very prominent family. Uh, you know, he's somebody that, that history indeed will remember. And uh, But it just really seems odd that he would even be considered for this job. Uh, and, and it just seems like, obviously, there's no real communication between Conway and, and the, the Trump inner, real inner circle at this, at this point. Because reportedly Trump was very angry with Conway for having gone on the offensive against Romney. It, it shows, it's just another example, in my opinion, John, and I, you know, I'd love to hear what you think, uh, of just what a disaster, in general, this transition has been. What a messy, clumsy, and poorly handled thing it's been. Well, I, it kind of shows a first-time um, a winner, I think. You know, uh, he's, never, <laughs> you know he's never even had to put uh, uh, a governorship together, or a Senate staff, or or a House staff um, together, and no clue. You know, I mean, how this is done. You know, there has yeah. always been that talk. It's been something that's been a refrain, especially among um, uh, those GOPers uh, for a long time about you know you need to get a CEO and you need to do those sorts of things. Um, but uh, huh. I, you know, there is a difference between being a executive in the public sector than than in private. And, you know, you can't, you can't just, you know, state your way like, uh, you know, some of the other stumblings that Trump has made with, uh, you know, First Amendment, uh, you know, people need to go to jail. And, uh, um, you know, some of the other things that he's talked about, um, you know, whether whether his attorney general is going to investigate Hillary Clinton, um, you know, some of those things where you don't realize you don't you don't have that just I wave my hand and you do it. You know, you're you're the president of the United States, not the king. Not the emperor. Uh, it's a little bit different. That's we correct. let these people in, do their jobs in their offices. Um, so you know, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, he's had to cede power to people who aren't in his family, especially the highest echelons. And you know, I, 
Obviously, he doesn't have enough kids to fill every executive job with the <laughs> Trump <yet>. organization. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, what? you know, yeah. I mean, he's put his kids and it's he's ran a family, a large family business. And he's and that's been what his family did. And they always have people running those spots. And 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 when you're the president of the United States, the, that doesn't happen. Um, no, you know, it does not, nor should it. Democrat no. or Republican, and it doesn't matter. And if Hillary Clinton had been elected and her team was handling the transition in this manner, you know damn well we'd be hearing nonstop news reporting on what a mess it was. Although, to be fair, again, to the mainstream media, there have been an awful lot of articles, uh, an awful lot of reporting on cable news, indeed, in what a big mess it is. Well, you know, and it also seems that um, there's been, besides uh, Chow being um, um, nominated today. um, Secretary of Transportation, yeah. Right. There's been no real middle of the line um, uh, nominee. Um, You go to Attorney General. That's a controversial one. I mean, like, you know, there's nobody that you just kind of throw a bone or anybody. Everybody goes, well, everyone kind of likes this guy, Um, you know. you know, there's obviously probably not going to be a big deal because, you know, they know all this. They've been vetted. They've gone through it. Um, even I don't think, uh, you know, obviously Hillary was kind of met with some uh, consternation. But say, uh, you know, Obama reaching for a Republican in Comey. You know, we can talk about him. But, you know, kind of reaching across the aisle trying to find some of these people. Most of the folks that, that Trump has already nominated are kind of those hardliners. Sessions at Attorney General. I think I already mentioned him. Um, you know, Flynn yeah. at NSA. Very controversial nominee. Yeah. Extraordinarily so. And some of his viewpoints are, as, you know, the only way I can put it, they're shocking. Really shocking. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Flynn at NSA, I think, is the same thing. Um, right. And 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 is, DeVos at education, um, you know, somebody who just believes in charter schools and, you know, you know school choice completely, um, you know, it's... it's, it's these are completely different ideas. I mean, undermining the public school situ, uh, you know, systems. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a. I, I, I think Betsy DeVos is, is frankly a, a, a terrible choice. This is a woman who has no governmental experience. I mean, let's just put it bluntly: she was picked because she gave a lot of money to his campaign, and because he may very well share her viewpoints on decimating public education. Um, but again, is this somebody who's going to? really know what she's doing in that job? I don't think so. I think Elaine Chao is a sensible choice. Sure. Uh, shockingly enough for Donald Trump, she has considerable experience. Uh, I, I don't think most people are taking any issue with her, whatever philosophical or political disagreements they may have. Uh, she's a veteran uh, a government person. She knows how things work. Does that mean her ten years have been flawless? Uh, no. Many would argue, especially how she handled mine safety. Not a good, uh, not a good point in her career. But again, somebody who makes sense, although it's also interesting, as you know, her husband is Mitch McConnell, who has never been the biggest Trump fan. You have to wonder candidly if this will be a way to maybe play Kate McConnell as well. And that is not a reflection upon Ms. Chow's experience. Uh, but, uh, you know, the choice of David Petraeus, the Secretary of State, this is a man with a conviction. And I mean in court. Now, I'm not talking about his, uh, you know, political convictions. This is a man who was prosecuted for doing the thing that all the right went after Hillary Clinton for, i.e., giving secrets out. Right. Uh, and unlike Hillary Clinton, he was actually prosecuted for it. Uh, it's just, it's a ludicrous choice. It is just insane and hypocritical to a level I can't even, 
fully articulate. Forgive me. Well, I mean, and it's you know, like David Petraeus is a very smart man, a very knowledgeable man, but his reputation is forever damaged. Yeah, you know, and 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 I, there hasn't been um, the New York Times has a list um, for of of potential Secretary of State um, folks, and and you know who knows. Um, but there's, you know, like you had mentioned, besides Petraeus, there's um, still John Bolton is a potential <laughs> Secretary of State. Um, Rudy Giuliani is a potential Secretary of State. Um, you know, I don't know much about Zalmay Khalizad, the former United States ambassador to Afghanistan, um, which I think is rather interesting. And then the others are, you know, Romney uh, and Bob Corker um, and uh, retired four-star Marine general. Um you know, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, what they say is, uh, I think it was Marshall was the last military man to be Secretary of State, or and maybe George the only. Yes. Um, you know, so um, I think, you know, the fact that you have two generals um, going to, to the State Department or, um, you know, some of these hardline kind of folks that see things a little bit differently like Bolton and Petraea, um, uh, and, and, and Giuliani is a little different. I mean, I mean, it yeah. almost As seems reminder, to me yeah. like, sorry, like Romney ahead. might um, be the best choice among the choices that have been put out there. Bolton? Romney at this point. I mean, Romney, yes, I agree in terms of, of winning support, probably from enough Democrats in the Senate. And I think in general, the public would be accepting foreign governments. Romney would be a smart choice. Um, I think John Bolton is a ludicrous choice. This is a man who couldn't even get confirmed by a Republican-dominated Senate, if I recall, in late 2005 or 2006, when uh, Bush picked him, I believe, to be ambassador to the United Nations. I'm sorry, it's been more than a decade now, because he was such a controversial uh, figure. And I, I think I've got office wrong when I said about the Bush appointment, so forgive me. It's all right. Um, but he's just he's somebody who said horrendously stupid and incendiary things over the years. Uh, just, again, another very poor choice. And you suspect the Trump people are looking at him simply because he says incendiary things. That is not a reason to appoint anyone, Democrat or Republican, to any position. And, and certainly Rudy Giuliani, I think, would also be a choice that would be greatly opposed in the Senate. And his own record is uh, hardly spotless. So if, if the Trump campaign team has any sense, they're probably going to really try to see if they can't get... They were also looking, by the way, at Nikki Haley, who I think might might be a choice very acceptable to a yeah, lot of Yeah, I think she people. was nominated to... The uh, fact that they have not come up... Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say, I think she was uh, uh, nominated to a UN ambassador. UN, um, excuse me, I apologize. So just so many things have been happening here, it's hard oh, it's to fine. keep track. But she would, be, she would be a good choice to the UN. Uh, but it, again, interesting... She was somebody who had spoken out against Trump. I suspect if she does become the ambassador, you, you know, that might be a little bit of an uneasy relationship. But Yeah, you know, it seems to me like Haley will just kind of toe the line. I think, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, I think her MO, I think she's been kind of reflexive to, you know, the current stream of, of, of you know, whatever Republicans are thinking. And I think she'll be fine to conform to that when that means, you know, whatever Trump yeah. puts out. You know, so is that really a good thing? I don't know. I mean, going from South Carolina to the UN, um, you know, um, not to disparage her at all, um, but you know, it's uh, it's a little different. Um, 
you know, it's right. definitely a little bit different. Uh, but and and just to c- kind of clear it up, I think you know I kind of looked up Bolton here just so that we can c- kind of clarify that he was a recess yeah, my, appointment. My apologies if I've got None. any of that information wrong. I do know that Bush was, had to do an executive order. Yeah, he was a recess appointment. He was a recess appointment, and then recess appointment, and then correct, he resigned because, because he knew. Him. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> so, knew he was never going to get confirmed, so he resigned. Um, you know, and and supposedly what's going on? I mean, the Times is still saying. That um, that Ben Carson was um, to lead HUD, um, you know, supposedly that's what the Trump can uh, 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 campaign or administration is saying. <laughs> but um, you know, who knows? I mean, supposedly there's no, there's been no call that 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 Carson accepts it is what the Times is reporting. So again, Carson, this is a man who was offered Secretary of Education, said no because hey, I don't have any experience in that. Oh, but I guess he has a lot of experience in housing and urban development. Not last time I checked. Um, uh, this, again, it just seems like, with all due respect to Ben Carson, it seems like a extraordinarily ill-suited choice. Yeah, I, and you know they went with the um, with the anti-Obamacare guy for Health and Human Services, um, uh, Tom Price. Right. Um, so you know, uh, I guess you know maybe that might have been a good fit for for Carson, but. Uh, uh, Possibly, possibly, yes. That might have been something. And given that he's a, a doctor, a, a, an esteemed, you know, surgeon. Sure. That one, I think most people could understand, even if they objected to it. Again, but he makes no sense as a, a HUD director. None. Well, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, he's black and got to get those people off the welfare rolls. <laughs> Well, and, I mean, I'm speaking like a Trumpite, obviously. That, <laughs> that's sar- that, that is sarcasm, by the way. No, I, I totally understand. I just, and I think what Carson has an admirable life story, even if he may have played around with, with the truth a little bit. Nevertheless, he still has a very admirable life story. He's been an esteemed and, and greatly admired surgeon, um, which, frankly, it made no sense to me why this man wanted to kind of ruin that reputation. Uh, by deciding to run for president and, and saying things at times which, again, were just ludicrous. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we've seen in the last few years, uh, what would have been the common wisdom for politics is no more. So um, I guess we'll see whether or not he becomes the HUD director. So far, we haven't seen anyone um, appointed that that uh, seems like it is a Trump you know, and nobody's been, you know, appointed from from the Trump organization or anything like that so far. However, well, so far. it, it kind of segues into what we want to talk about next a little bit. Um, yeah. Trump and his business interests um, and how that affects his presidency. Um, Trump has come out and it's and it is true that there ha- has not been a conflict of interest uh, statute applied to the presidency because they had figured when they wrote the conflict of interest laws that um, their president has uh, almost everything he does has some sort of impact on him um, because of the nature of the job. Now, that was done with never having a billionaire who has international business deals um, and who's unwilling to release his taxes or put his stuff into a blind trust and basically to exploit that hole in the law um, to its full extent. Um, how do you feel about what that is? And do you see that as a potential problem for him or as a strength? 
and what he's done so well, far. Well, will it will it be a potential problem for him in terms of how Americans who didn't vote for him and many who are very skeptical of him feel? Yeah, it'll be a huge problem. Uh, it'll be a problem for those in the mainstream media who are willing to continue to cover what looks like just blatant conflicts of interest all over the world with this man. Yes, it's going to be a problem for him. Is it going to hurt him with the, the craven punditry class that is uh, normalizing him? No. Will it hurt him with his more uh, supportive base of voters? No. They obviously didn't care before. They don't care now. Um, although I think, frankly, over time, if we see more stories about how Trump's going to use this office to basically just help to get himself richer, that eventually is going to turn into a general backlash. Um, but by then it'll be too late to reverse much of what he does. So, you know, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, I know there was a lot of criticism with George W. Bush, and especially with former Vice President Dick Cheney in terms of Halliburton and how contracts were awarded after uh, this country invaded Iraq. And, and yes, they deserved a lot of criticism for it. But this makes that, again, look like uh, nothing, mm -hmm. given Trump's conflicts of interest with business and just what, how, how he could use his office to make sure all of his projects get built all over the world while not really paying any attention to the other more important issues going on in these countries. Right. Um, and, and you know, we're talking about, um, it looks like he's got projects in Brazil, India, uh, Ireland, Scotland, Turkey. Um, and I guess the one in right. Turkey, supposedly, um, Erdogan had um, demanded Trump's name be removed from Trump Towers in Istanbul um, after he called oh, for well, the Muslim ban. Because it looks like the Trump people are really trying to court Erdogan, and uh, given what's going on in Turkey, and uh, how crucial it is for both NATO and uh, and you know the Middle East in general, um, you know it, that's that's an interesting turn of events. If Erdogan is now looking like he's not exactly going to be that deferential to Trump, so that's 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 uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised by that development. Yeah, and I think. Um... There's a there was also a um, a situation with China and and the Trump name that was resolved um, a little while right. ago. Um, so you know this is all after the election. Um, all of a sudden, he's getting these you know the heats off. Um, you know people are interested. It is a global brand. You never know what's going to happen, and I think. You know, that some of these things are going to be, uh, you know, trouble for him. I mean, I think that there's there's been a reason why, you know, people have, have wanted to actually make that part of what they do. Because, you know, perception becomes reality, especially with the whole drain the swamp thing. Um, if if there's any um, uh, hint that there's, there's any sort of, you know, profiting going on, then all bets are off, you know, and I think that it's been a, a case where people who've had those situations want to get rid of it, not just for public perception, but because it can be true. Um, things can influence what you're doing and and it becomes part of, of what you're looking at. And it just kind of takes away the whole uh, uh, possibility of there being any relation to what you're doing as president and what your business dealings are. Um, so... I mean, some of this is an impeachable offense, or it would actually disqualify him from ever becoming president. But again, it would take a, a very concerted effort in this country, you know, and it would take the Republican Congress, which, you know, is in no hurry to hold him accountable for anything, 
uh, as we've seen so far, um, unless the heat grows on them so much where they're looking at serious losses in 2018. I think if you start seeing the backlash grow, where it's going to look like the GOP is going to lose its majority in Congress, given that I suspect most major GOP leaders are not fond of Trump to begin with, uh, they'll turn on him real quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, but it's. I mean, that's a that's that's a very delicate balance and a very uh, yep. you know sure. a high 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 wire to walk when you're when you're when you're thinking that you're going to impeach your own party's um, uh, president and and how you're going to do at the ballot box and and you know there's there's a lot of Trump fans out there that are going to vote for him no matter what. Um, sure, of course and, there and, are. And, no, and, I know that. And vote Republican I, I, in the midterms. So um, you know it's going to be interesting, I think, to see, but. You know, there those conflicts are there that that have never been there before. And again, it's like everything else where, um, you know, we talked about a little bit that he doesn't know what it's like to be a chief executive of a of a governmental thing, uh, you know, organization <laughs> to be, you know, uh, a president, a governor, um, even even a representative. He hasn't even gone there. And I think if he would have, he would have when he ran, he ran and won the, the race for president it would have been a different response. And um, he's going to have to learn that on the job, I think, um, because I, you know, there has been some backlash, you know, there's been some stuff on, 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 on Twitter and from some of the supporters about, Hey, you know, you're, you're naming all these billionaires and insiders and you're not giving up your business interests. Um, You know, I think people are going to be interested in that, but you know, you never know the Trump phenomena has defied all, all, you know, prognostications from, 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 from many people. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, well, I, I agree with you on that, John, but I will say again, this is not going to win him any trust or any respect from the vast majority of Americans who didn't vote for him, don't like him and don't respect him. So it, you know, he can keep on doing this and it, it may not matter to his inner circle or to those who voted for him, but for an awful lot of people, it does matter. Will that necessarily mean we'll see him gone out of office in two years or even less? Or does it mean that he will, wouldn't win a re-election in 2020 should he decide to run? No. But it, nevertheless, it's just the sleaze factor here is huge. Yeah, and you know, I think the biggest thing that Trump can do is to keep up and to energize um, those opponents to actually go out and vote. I know that when we were talking about it before, it was nearly 30% of people who could have voted didn't. And... You know, you get you get another ten percent of those people actually showing up because there's a scandal um, going on, um, and it does change every race. Um, so, you know, you never know on how how you can feed that, and 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 he'll feed that or won't feed that on his own. I think, and so you know, that's also the difference when all of a sudden you become chief executive. Um, creating controversy is no longer good um, <laughs> because. You're 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 not just running, and you don't have to answer to anybody or actually have policy. Um, you're going to be well, judged based upon what you've done and um, in office. Um, so you know, I mean, I think he's 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 going to determine his own his own future political destiny. Obviously, now, and it doesn't it didn't begin in the primary or then the Republican primary. It really begins when he's inaugurated. Um, that's 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 when. The battle for uh, 2018 and the battle for 2020 begins when you have to start governing. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking to that right. um, and talking about conflict of interest and what can happen, um, we're, let's uh, let's move across the globe 
to South Korea and a leader yeah. there who has been met by hundreds of thousands in the streets called, calls for her to resign um, in what could maybe be a, uh, a fortune teller's glance at 2018-2020. Uh, um, she's Well, she's Possibly. like a little bit, a year over into her five-year term. Um, you know, you would think that maybe it might happen a little bit sooner um, here in the U.S., but, um, you know, a, a, what we consider a strong democracy, especially in Asia, has always been South Korea. And and it's and right. it's and it and it's flexing its democratic muscles at this point because they're either going to have to impeach her um, with what she said today. She's going to let the legislature take their their path. Um, so they're either going to have to impeach her, or um, we're going to have more scandal, more people in the streets. Um, is it predicting the future on your end? I mean, it's obviously a little bit of of you know profit making from government. Well, again, as you said. Uh, Park Jin Hia, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Hey, Forgive me. That's better um, than yeah, I can been, do. She's been the leader of that country, and again, South Korea, very successful, dynamic economy, major player in uh, in Asia for sure. Um, but obviously, her tenure has been rocked by this relationship with uh, a friend of hers named uh, Choi Soon Sil, uh, and some very strange elements uh, about it. Um, including uh, a church called the Church of the Eternal Life and uh, some weird uh, spiritual aspects regarding this. The the BBC has a very good article on it today, and it is heartening to see, though, hundreds of thousands of South Koreans have said, hey, this is not acceptable. And, you know, Park herself has said she'll leave office. Of course, she's doing this to, to avoid a possible impeachment. Um, but it's up to their parliament to decide if she can leave or not. I have a feeling they're probably not going to let her get off that easy. Maybe they shouldn't. Uh, clearly, there's some pretty strong evidence that her uh, friendship with this woman and, and uh, you know, some of the scandal and conflict, uh, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of genuine objection to it. Uh, so I think it remains to be seen, but obviously that if, if another leader is not chosen to, you know, bring stability to that country... Uh, that can become a real trouble spot for a highly inexperienced individual who becomes president in January. Um, and given North Korea remains a huge thorn in our side, and things don't seem to be changing there fast enough for anybody's liking, uh, you know, this is this is not a good situation, uh, to say the least, in South Korea. Yeah, and and another nonprofit foundation um, is at the center of this too, where supposedly mm. that's where a lot of the um, uh, the money was paid to um, using her presidential right. connections to kind of you know force um, private companies to donate to a nonprofit that you can then um, you know siphon. Um, you know I, it, it it seems like um, you know the world has kind of gone to uh, you know it's you know money's making the world go around and it's infecting politics um, for sure. Yep. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, but who knows, you know, how, how much, you know, some of this stuff always happened. Um, but it's, it hasn't been there because of some of these other avenues that you have. Uh, I think, you know, before you would always have a situation, you know, most recently you would, you know, your, your, your former, um, uh, politicians would either become, uh, lobbyists or they would go on speaking tours. Um, and that's how they'd make their millions. Um, and now, um, you know, there's there's all there's these nonprofit foundations um, that become um, 
magnets for 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 billionaires uh, to donate money, and um, you know, I guess you can get swept up in it as much as you, as it can do good. Um, you know, you'd like to, you know, from what you see, a, a lot of these foundations do some great work, and some of these billionaires that have come out, like uh, 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 Paul Allen and uh, Bill Gates and 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 Warren Buffett and some of the and the Clintons, I mean, they're spending their money in 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 decent ways. But I guess you know you have these systems set up, and they also become anybody takes advantage of them. Um, there's always somebody who's going to want to try to take an advantage of something. I guess. Um, oh, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, graft, unfortunately, has been around ever since human society has been around. So that's that's not going to change. And even in, in countries where elections are publicly funded, there are still corruption scandals because, again, you're dealing with human nature. <laughs> it tends to be a very tricky thing. So, you know, the U.S. election system, the way it is and the way it's financed, is we've seen clearly that's not really a good thing. Uh, and even if we went public, a publicly funded system tomorrow... That wouldn't stop maybe somebody like Donald Trump uh, becoming president. Um, you know, it just depends on who the players are and who the actors are and if they have genuinely good and decent intentions. And we know sometimes they don't. And maybe another parallel between uh, Park and uh, Trump might be also be that if that, those, that situation gets there, I don't see him just stepping down either. I see it. No, uh, he wouldn't. He's too arrogant and has too much of an ego. I, I think that's fair to say. So no, he would not. It would take probably a scandal that would be so vast, and it would take enough of the mainstream media and I, I you know, a good chunk of the conservative media to turn on him. Oh, and never mind how the public felt. And it, you know, we've seen in the last few weeks, we've seen numerous protests. I can't recall in my lifetime, John. I don't know about you, where there's ever been this kind of protest against the president-elect. And even within the, the, the 2000 election between Bush and Gore, there was not this kind of outbreak. So, so clearly something very unusual is going on here. Again, that's the understatement of the year. Uh, you know, and it, I, I think, again, uh, as I've been saying, uh, you know, Trump and, and his circle had better expect a lot of resistance, either from other states or from the public at large or other politicians. That's, that's just not going to end soon. Yeah, it's it's also I think a, an 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 effect of social media. I think they've they've driven some of these political movements, um, like Brexit and uh, the Trump campaign and some others. Um, but yeah. it's also you know, and even Obama, they said that you know Twitter won them two thousand eight um, when it was when it was an, an emergence technology at the time. Um, right. And. But it also then fuels some of these, you know, street-bound protests. Um, you know, you can organize um, quickly and get people um, together without having an organization. Um, you know, you could never do that before. There's so many things that just can't be, that couldn't be accomplished. Um, you know, how do you get the word out that you're going to have um, a, a, a march um, that quickly after an election without social media? And, you know, the answer is you probably can't. Um, unless you Absolutely. have these these large groups already set up, you know, the reason why they were so reactive in the 60s was, you know, the SDS and some of those other groups that were kind of nationwide, they would they would coordinate, make phone calls and everything would get done immediately. There's no groups like that anymore. But now with social media, they can be responsive to any issue at any point and and and, and react nearly instantaneously um, where that that, you know, that wasn't done before. So. 
you know, I guess for every for every bit of good something brings, um, it also maybe brings something that's not so good. And you know, well, I think it's safe to say, look, social media helped Trump get elected. It and it could also become a serious thorn in his side. Uh, and I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that. So you know, double edged sword for every politician in that respect. And that's the world we're living in today. Now, is there any, um, do you think, connection, and I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily want to, want to have to put this out here, but I think it's, 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 I, part of this discussion, um, Park is, was another conservative, um, so, you know, you talk about when you get conservative folks that get in office and then they have allegations of in-dealing, um, graft, however you want to put it. Um, you know, came from the Bush administration, like you mentioned, with Cheney and Halliburton and all the connections they had and, and what kind of deals were made by, by them going to war. And it always seems like it's, it seems like at least recently when you go around the world, when there's these sorts of, of large scandals, they're the quote unquote conservative business centered candidates. Right. Um, again, I, I think given it, it, to me, all of this depends on, and I, I can't, I can't say I'm all that knowledgeable. In fact, I'm not about the South Korean media. It may be the South Korean media was extremely aggressive on covering this and exposing, uh, you know, what Park was doing that now leads to her basically begging to be let out of her job. Um, you know, I, I think we're just, we're going to have to see how good of a job the non-mainstream media is going to do on covering Trump and his potential conflicts. The Times, for example, today has this really good article. Some would say they probably should have done this before November 8th, but here we are. Um, and I think it's going to be the Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, perhaps, uh, and, and you know Washington Post, maybe L.A. Times, uh, and it's going to have to be media like Vox, like uh, BuzzFeed or Alternets, uh, or uh, some of the you know very left wing publications like the Nation uh, to to really keep the heat on him and keep exposing some of these these blatant conflicts. Um, but you know again it, we, it could hurt him a lot. Uh, only time will tell. I, it certainly looks like it's it's hurt Park in South Korea. Mm. Yeah, and 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 you know just for a little bit of background. Um, um, her uh, Park's father was a former president of South Korea and military general That's right. yeah. who, who uh, seized That's power correct. through a coup um, and then, um, you know, got himself, uh, you know, became a military strongman and then eventually got himself assassinated by the uh, um, chief of his own security services. Um, he ran South Korea yes. for 18 years. Um, so right. um, she's obviously got some history. Um, she's not a... Uh, a woman of the people, not necessarily. Um, so, you know, um, you know, I think that, that, you know, there's also, um, there's some, there's some merit to the fact that, um, you know, she's been connected, um, and, and, and maybe what has happened. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation there. It's not completely comparable, um, to what's going on here, except for, you know, the fact that maybe, um, you, we could be seeing some of the same um, kind of uh, insider deals or or uh, influence peddling, um, you know, something going on. Uh, although that would probably have to be done by Trump's family, 
but you know who knows um what can happen um um you know they say uh power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely right so <laughs> yes it does um to kind of stay on that little bit of a conservative track let's let's jump on our uh hypothetical uh modern times jet and fly to france um great country <laughs> visited there a few times i love it a lot um they are also maybe taking a turn right um seems like uh how would you say that filion right um francois filion is, is my understanding and my french is pretty lousy but it, i believe that has it's how his last name is pronounced filion so he takes the what's you know kind of considered the moderate leaning right party, um, but he's more to the right than typical. Um, and then yes, the far right National Front is now kind of put in a between a uh, rock and a hard place because when you're already far right and then somebody comes from your left and pushes you right, where else do you have to go but over the cliff? I guess is the current the current <laughs> wonder for national. I mean, uh, worry from the National Front and. Um, Le Pen. Right. So, um, a different kind of feel, though. It seems like, you know, a lot of people here, ah, socialists in Europe, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get these people that kind of live out in rural America. Um, like, there's even blowback happening in France. And, um, you know, then there's the controversy with Hollande. So, you know, a different feel going on in France, and it seems like you know conservatism at least is is kind of spanning the globe at this point. You know, regardless of what happens to uh, folks like Park. Yeah. That's that's safe to say. I mean, I, I I think obviously France, which is grappling with issues of of diversity, you know, demographic demographic changes, and as we know, of course, last year there was a terrible attack in Paris. There was also one in Nice. There has been a lot of tension, unfortunately, between the the large Islamic community that's there and uh, the rest of France, and especially the government, um, a, a country whose economy has really not improved, uh, you know, over the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, that's right for somebody like Marine Le Pen to come in there and exploit, which she's done very well. Um, right now, they're saying French analysts, and of course, again, we've seen from the U.S. Whatever that he thinks they know from polls, they don't. Um, that it looks like Fillon is on track to win the presidency. Hollande, if he can even get through the nomination process, his, his approval rating is 4%, which I think may be the lowest for anyone uh, in the age of, uh, of approval ratings. His, his tenure has basically been considered a disaster, more or less. Um, I would be shocked to see him even get the nomination from his party. And certainly if he ended up as a nominee, I would be safe in saying I think the conservative candidate would wipe the floor with him. Um, I'd love to be proven wrong on that, but I don't think I am. Uh, so, and, and again, you know, the factors I, I said earlier about France, as well as how Fignon has been very smart in how he's played up the fears and, and some of the resentments of French middle-class people, uh, you know, it's been successful, and it may pay off for him in the elections next year. Yeah, and you know, it's the change, I think, you know, what September 11th and these terror attacks have done to the political system. It, it, makes, it makes getting tough on, on Islam and Muslims a, a, a adequate political stance, I think, for a lot of voters. Right. And, you know, it, it, it really has changed the map. Um, where people aren't looking at, you know, it's like, you know, it's the economy stupid. Um, but, you know, 
when everyone's, oh, you know, always promising what's going to happen. Um, and I think you you have a lot of these uh, incidents which, while tragic and horrible, um, are relatively small in the greater term. Like, do you elect someone because some nutbag um, decided to do something? Um, you know, say, take for example, you know, what happened in Ohio State yesterday. Um, yeah. You know, no one died besides the guy, besides the attacker. Um, and he was killed within one minute. Yeah, he does, you know. But how many people die in, plane, in, in, you know, in, in automobile accidents? Um, and from other things that we have happen to us every day. And, and whether it should change the way we deal politically and almost absolve people of anything else to wrap yourself around the flag and support anti-Muslim and anti-Islam state, uh, stances... Um, I, I totally, yeah, I totally agree with you on that on that point. I think it was something that changed, obviously, September 11th, which yeah, was a horrifying day. Uh, you know, nobody minded when Bin Laden was killed. Uh, nobody minded when anybody else who was involved in that was brought to justice and punished, certainly as they should be. However, the Bush administration made this a military type of of, re- of retaliation rather than what Bill Clinton did when we, the World Trade Center was first attacked in 93. He said, we're going to treat these guys as criminals. We're going to hunt them down. We're going to find them. We're going to punish them. And they're all riding in prison today as they should be. Right. Uh, or and certainly if it's, you know, if they've gotten the death penalty, I think most uh, people, even those who are generally not fond of the death penalty, would be fine with that. Um, certainly we saw the uh, Boston bomber, uh, who Sharnev, who is on death row now. Um, but again, the way the Clinton administration handled this, uh, and Obama, completely different. right? Um, Obama as well. Not, I mean, it's not much of a difference between the way the Obama administration handled this. Well, I think the Obama administration used both the legal system and the military system, and not always successfully, to go after uh, radicals of any faith who have attacked the United States or its allies and killed innocent people. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, as you said, in this post-9-11 world, we're always going to have that struggle between how we're going to deal with those who genuinely wish us harm and need to be dealt with, and but how far do we go, how much do we compromise on our values, are we willing to give up a lot of our secure, our liberties for security? Sure. This is uh, not a new question, but it's a tough one. Yeah, and, and, and in France, they're going through it now. Yeah, I mean... Y- we both remember 13, 15 years ago, the debate was, what do you do about it? And I think some of the discussion was always, do you find, help them find peace and the ability to live within their own lands properly? Um, and that's part of the issue that goes on now. I mean, you talk about all these immigrants that have gone to France and these other countries in Europe and who has been threatened to come to the United States, all these, you know, Muslim extremists and Isla, you know, Islamicists who are bad. And, um, you know, some of them come here and do things. Um, but it's because they're, they're fleeing, um, either a lack of freedom, um, a lack of security, um, in their own countries or a lack of, uh, you know, the ability to, to, to take any sort of, uh, personal, uh, impact on what goes on. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of years and decades of us propping up systems and, you know, really making these oligarchies, which exist in most of these mm-hmm. um, Middle Eastern yep. countries. And now, you know, what what is the remnants of it is people who blame the United States, partially by the people that run those countries now, because the United States can be the big bad guy um, and, and Western society as a whole. Um, so, 
you know, but I think the debate's been lost, I think is what my, you know, my point here is, is that the, the, it was talked about is, is pulling away and lacking in an engagement and adequate policy in order to make your country safer. And you can, you know, we can, we can argue all we want, but the more that we stay involved and, and, and sit by while people don't have freedom in, in one way or another. Now, they don't think they necessarily want us to go there and invade their country to give them freedom, to give them freedom. But maybe if we don't support the people that we've been supporting for decades, um, you know, I mean, no it, you know, the same thing can be said for what happened in Iran in, in, in the late 70s. They didn't, well, you know, they didn't like our support of the Shah, yeah. you know, and, and so right. their, that reaction That's was... Right. They were able to take over that country. Now, the same thing could have happened in 89, but that was kind of, I mean, in, uh, in well, 2009, but that kind of stopped. Right. I will give you a perfect example. And, and getting back to Iran, which is a country we've had a very long and complicated history in, of course, it goes back to 1953 when both the, the British and the Americans, which this has been declassified, worked to overthrow Mohammad Mossadegh, who was a democratically appointed leader, and his crime was he won nationalized the you know, Iranian oil, right. um, and install the Shah. We all know how that ended up. Not good. Um, but it's interesting how few Americans know this. I, I was talking to some relatives about a year and a half ago, but somehow Iran, I have a close friend who is Persian, and she fled, she and her family fled, fled Iran about 10, 15 years ago. Um, but I mentioned that, and we, we somehow started talking about Iran. They did not know anything about the 1953 coup. Right. And I said, well, it would behoove you to look that up. That would explain why, as horrible as the regime in that country is today, none of us have any love for it, that's for sure. Uh, but there's a reason why it came to power. And sadly, the United States played a role in that. Now, does that justify any of the cruelty no. that that regime has shown towards anyone? Absolutely not. No. But again... This is the consequences of these types of actions, either Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, or other Middle Eastern countries where we might have had good intentions, but somehow they went astray, and the rest is tragic history. Um, I don't think Donald Trump's going to learn any lessons of that. I think the Obama administration made attempts to learn the lessons of that. Again, they didn't always succeed. Um, and here we are. And, and this is, again, now we're seeing Western Europe dealing with the effects also of the Middle East on some form or another. And, uh, and you know, the, the outcome of that is not always, you know, towards more democracy or leaders who would be considered the most stable of people. Right. And, but just how it's also, I mean, like we talked about it and why we got here, you know, talking about Filion right. and, 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 and Trump and, and how they kind of, you know, throw that mantle of the flag and, you know, anti, um, you know, Muslim terrorist kind of feeling and, you know that debate is is gone. It's now, you know, everyone kind of says the same thing. Uh, you know, even Clinton. You know, they're, you know, they're gonna they're gonna work to get rid of ISIS. Everybody wants to get rid of ISIS. Well, you know, as long as there's influence and and as long as they don't have their own place. I mean, there was something I had talked to somebody you know around you know the two thousand two two thousand three time. It's, you know, if. These people had, you know, if terrorists, that people want to be terrorists and ISIS, you let them create their own uh, country, then at least you have a war to fight. You know, it, it's it's hard for an army to fight a bunch of terrorists. And, That's a stateless organization. That's correct. It's you know, a much tougher thing to do. You know, and, you know, I'd put the United States military up against anybody. And then, you know, then you have a battle to fight and you have, you know, war to be declared and things start to be the way they are. So, you know... 
I mean, giving freedom to people who are going to be a little, um, you know, might not do what exactly what we want them to be, but you know, you, you, you can't be the parent to the world, I think, to a certain level, you know, and, you know, the same thing happens, but I, I think that's the same feeling we have to understand with, you know, with Trump and why a lot of people, I think, need to just accept the result of the election. Either people didn't show up sure. and he's now he's now the leader and, and, and internally and externally, you know, we as the people of the United States that 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 don't necessarily, um, you know, agree with every policy. It, it's always our job, no matter whether. You consider yourself a supporter of one candidate or another. You're always going to have disagreements with something that they're doing. And it's, and that's your role as a citizen. And it's going to be the role of the international community to in, try to impact the, that as well. Um, you know, but the, the, lo- the fact that we've just lost that debate, and, and I, I, just, I just don't think it's around, has made that, you know, part of what the political landscape is, you know. And I... I don't even know whether it's there for the electorate to accept anymore. I don't think you can even be a candidate these days um, and and come out and say, well, you know, we need to disengage with the Middle East. You know, you're, you know, no, you just I, probably I think that's be irresponsible. It would be a highly irresponsible decision to take. You know, Colin Powell said it best when he was talking to, uh, you know, George W. Bush before the decision to invade Iraq. You break it, you own it. Like it or not, we own it now, and we have a responsibility for it. And certainly, as we saw in Iraq in, since the invasion, you know, the people there said, thank you for getting rid of Saddam. We never liked him. Now, please, get out of our country and let us run it. We'll let you know if we need help. Thank you. I, you know, that's a, a, a somewhat of a smart-ass summary. Forgive me. But, sure. Um, again, the idea that somehow this was going to make democracy bloom all over the Middle East, well, that's a nice thought. It's a wonderful thing. It didn't come to pass, and it's unlikely to do so now, especially with somebody like Donald Trump, you know, as president of this country. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, the other facts is is just when when some countries are ready for democracy and when they're not. Uh, you know, I mean, you right. can't. You know, what happened in the United States was a unique situation that was lucky to have worked, and you know, um, what happened in France and England and some of the other traditionally strong democracies. Um, you know, those were built over hundreds of years. Um, you know, from the Magna Carta on, it was a long progression for the UK. And then that kind of got, got, got squirted out here in the United States. Um, but you need governments in, in the Middle East to be able to accept democracy. And I, you know, I just don't know. And, and, you know, that's kind of what we talk about with accepting the, you know, the Trump result is, you know, if you have, uh, you know, we just talked about Park in South Korea, you know, they, you know, her father, um, or you can talk about what happened in Pakistan. You know, um, they don't like what's going on politically. The you know you'll have a military coup that will just take over, um, and you know that's the other side of it. You can let people be free, um, but if you don't have other elements in those countries that are going to listen to that, then then your democracy is your your democracy is just as weak, and and just as ineffective. Right. You know, you, you sum it up very nicely, John. Yeah. Now. Talking about interfering, let's segue on to our last topic here. Um, Caribbean interfering from uh, the 50s and 60s, um, still playing itself out with the death of Fidel Castro. Um, yes. Uh, last week, right? Uh, I think it was last week now? He died Friday night. In fact, my husband, I was, it was interesting, I'd fallen asleep, and my husband didn't know I was, but he came in and said, oh, Castro's dead. 
And I, oh, okay. I thought, I mean, the man's been in poor, had been in poor health for well over a decade. So, and he was 90. I, I don't think anybody was surprised by his passing. But again, given the shadow he has cast over the last 50 or so 60 years, uh, you know, it's, it's an, an important loss, even if, in general, he governed as a dictator. And that is nothing to admire. No, uh, you know, a big symbolic change, though, I think, you know. Uh, Very big symbolic change, yeah. You know, it it, it shows, on. you know, we, we kind of always see generations come and go, but, you know, when you have somebody that's been on the world stage for as long as he has, had, he has um, was such an integral player, I mean, basically could have been partly responsible for starting a nuclear war um, at, at right. one point, um, you know, with that whole... Uh, Cuban Missile Crisis thing, uh, you know, shout out to all those uh, like family members of yours who don't study history. Um, but yes, Castro could have helped start a nuclear war, um, you know, and all the other impacts, um, you know, all the all the uh, Cuban-Americans we now have, um, how most of them are, you know, very, very, very conservative, very, you know, uh, anti-socialist, anti-communist because of that whole, um, you know, guys that got put on. Uh, Castro and all the rest of the, uh, you know, Soviet uh, um, um, uh, dictators who they all just said that they were communists um, when, as we know, they were just totalitarian dictators and there's a difference. Um, but yeah, his death, I right. think, is, is very symbolic. Um, now, does it do anything yeah, is- really towards what was going on? I mean, it didn't, it's not going to have any impact on um, what 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 Obama worked on just because it's that's all dependent on Trump uh, and, and and Raul Castro was still technically in charge right I mean we don't think this is yeah. really going to have any impact um, realistically this is symbolic right well I, I think again for Castro has not been in power Fidel was not in power for a good 10 11 years because of his health his brother Raul has been running the show. Uh, there have been incredible changes in, in Cuba since then. The, com- the country, although still technically communist or uh, democratic republic or however it is described, um, you know, but it has opened up to some private enterprise because it's had no choice. Since right. the Soviet Union ended 25 years ago, there went that money stream. And then, uh, you know, a pretty severe period of economic austerity uh, for Cuba, in which many Cubans have adapted, but no question it's done its share of damage. Uh, and an embargo from this country, which, as far as I'm concerned, and I think uh, people far more knowledgeable than I can ever be have said, was basically a failure, didn't get Castro out of power, didn't change anything in that country. Um, all it ever did was give him a platform. And uh, to me, that just that's a failure. Uh, so I, I think if, if Trump was smart, and again, I, I, you know, I, he's, not, he's not going to be, especially in foreign policy, I don't think. Uh, he would leave this alone, because in the long run, it would be good for the United States, for Cuba, to become more of a free market economy. And, you know, Raul Castro is no spring chicken either. I, I right. think there's probably plans in store for someone else to take over for him. Now, probably that, well, could be a hardline communist, but it could be somebody who's more willing to say, it's time for Cuba to join the 21st century we can still stick to having a strong social safety net, but understanding that free enterprise, there's a place for it here. It, if it's governed properly, it can be good for Cuba and its people. Um, again, that's uh, easier said than done, as we've seen in many countries. Um, but, uh, you know, again, Trump is making noise that he's going to get rid of this deal. Um, again, I, I don't think that's going to help 
anybody. I, I don't think it's going to help Cuba. It's not going to help. It's certainly not going to help Cuban-American relations. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. But I, I mean, again, I agree with you. Castro's death more than anything is symbolic. But there's no question uh, he, he was a huge player in the world stage, um, starting uh, especially in 1962 when he nearly brought uh, his actions in letting the Soviets put missiles there. Could have been the end of this world as we know it. I mean, your parents probably told you stories, as my mother did, uh, of those very frightening days yeah. when you really thought it was over. And I had a, a colleague I worked with in Las Cruces, New Mexico, was a young man in Boston going to college. He said right before Kennedy announced that they had brokered a deal, that all the radio stations were playing classical music. It was eerie and it was frightening. And he also said, you honestly thought, this is the end. Um Incredibly frightening time that none of us were around to remember, thank God. But uh, so, yeah, Ca Castro was a, a major player, uh, but he was a, a horrible uh, individual for human rights. Um, and there's no question his stubbornness in not letting Cuba slowly in ingratiate some free market reforms didn't help that country's economy over the last quarter century. No, so, and, and... I, you know, I think it's safe to say he won't be missed, but his importance, you know, it can't be denied. Yeah, and, you know, there's all the, we all understand all the deportations that he did and, and you know, the locking up of political prisoners, but you oh, know, yeah. it, it did, because he's on an island um, and it was so closed, um, he was able to really, you know, solidify a support and make it impossible um, for there to be uh, any sort of insurgency or or or, you know, political fight or people taking to the streets, those people just either got thrown in jail or got sent to the United States. And, you know, right. um, that's why he was able to stay in power, I think, for so long and survive where others in other countries couldn't. All the other, you know, uh, Soviet puppets all vanished uh, for the most part. Um, and, you know, and Castro and Cuba are still there. And it's because of that strength, I think, um, uh, of, of, of the... You know, people there. There were either people that were just willing to support him, or just willing to turn the other cheek because they liked, and and that's their home. Um, but you know, re regardless, whether you're just not saying anything, or or you're in, you're you're enjoying it, it still translates into the same thing, which is he's been, he was able to stay in power for that long, and his party still is. I mean, his his brother and and whoever he's you know they're all choosing um, are still there. Um, you know, eventually that's got to change, and you and and you know that once there's investment there, and I think the thing they all understand is that, you know, there's not going to be a way to stop it, especially once you're able to. A lot of Cuban Americans maybe are able to go back. Um, you know, things are going to change, um, and you know that's that's all on opening the door, and you know, now is is as important as ever. If you really want Cuba to become an independent area. Um, now is the most important time, I think, because there's nothing to really, you know, people feel like it's over. Um, I think it's, it might even be more symbolic for the people that are still in Cuba to a certain level, just because um, he's passed on. Um, the other thing right. I wanted to bring out, up, up about Cuba really quick, because I just don't want it to be forgotten, is, uh, you know, we also have to remember the Spanish-American War. So there's been a lot of uh, uh, interference, shall we say, or... Um, made up stuff um, between uh, that island and the United States for a long time, and you know a lot of that was 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 part of the ammunition that was used for for Castro to come to power in the first place, and then it was only strengthened with the Bay of Pigs and um, 
um, the, 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 the missile crisis. So, um, again, we go full circle back to um, usually our future is what we make it. Uh, and, and the more that you're not just doing the right thing, um, the more it comes back, especially internationally, um, to impact the way that we govern domestically. Yeah, you're again. You're spot on, John. Um, I mean, you know, back in the fifties, the you know U.S. you know used Cuba as in, in part, uh, you know, as a gambling hub and and other things, uh, while not paying attention to uh, what a dictator Batista was and how unhappy a lot of Cuban people were. Now, some would say it wasn't a good trade-off for a communist to replace him. Um, I can see that, but uh, you know, again, just if I can. Reach here and just say, you know, we have a larger struggle throughout the world for a lot of countries to determine what, do, in what direction do they want to go? Do they want to have a, a liberal, uh, free market-based democracy, or do they think autocracy is better? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is this is just a very uncertain and troubling time, not only for this country, but for many of our European allies, you know, and and the Middle East and uh, Asia, a good chunk of the world in general. And whether anybody likes it or not in this country, things that happen elsewhere in the world, they do come back here. It's for better or worse. They always do. Um, you can't. Uh, it, it's 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 almost anything that that you ever want to think about. And in the political world, I think it takes a little bit longer. And you can have. Uh, um, arguments and just like in your family, maybe you don't get along with a cousin or an uncle or your brother or your sister or whatever. Um, you know, yeah, you, you'll have to deal with that at Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, when it's internationally, it can be a hundred years. Uh, you still got people that are upset about what you did in, uh, 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 you know, with the whole Hearst thing in the harbor. Um, you know, with the sinking of the what the sinking of the Maine wasn't that wasn't that the Spanish American yeah, War. Yeah, that was the Spanish American War. Was and the, the famous quote line, "Remember the May." Um, you know, oh. there's the uh, quote by Jefferson about uh, uh, democracy is only as strong as the generation that's that's supporting it, and um, you know that kind of leads into. It's been coming into my head a lot with thinking about what's been going on, especially across the world, and. Uh, um, you know, you, we think about um, some of the things that, that, that came out of World War II and some of those grand ideas that started the UN and um, um, some of the ideas that, that, that FDR had. And you see some of that waning. And, you know, it's just kind of the loss of history. And if I've learned anything out of our conversation today, it's again that, uh, you know, maybe it is just that you just don't have, you know, the educated populace and understanding really what's happened in the past, I think, um, isn't there. Um, uh, you know, maybe that's the solution. Maybe we need to have a history podcast or maybe have another five <laughs> points where we can bring these that things up. That would be up. great. Uh, you know, it, it, look, this is a huge country. We have a lot going on. Uh, you know, there are many reasons why some people may not be aware of things. I, I think in most Americans in general, once they get the right information or factual information, that's all for the better. I think we've seen with this past election that sadly that wasn't the case. Um, well, we can only hope that it'll change and, uh, yes. you know, we're just about out of time. So I think we're going to have to stop it there for today. Um, Sound, I've had a lot of fun. Me too. It's always fun talking to you, Karen. 
fun talking with you, and I'm so appreciative of all those listening out in podcast land. <laughs> well, greetings to podcast land. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks again, Karen. Thank you, John. Thank you, all the listeners. Bye. Right.